Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Slow Home Podcast. Uh, my name is Brooke McCallery. I'm the host of the, the, the Slow Your Home Podcast and I'm here with my co-host, my husband Ben. I've got a promotion. You've been elevated. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, we'll discuss the um, pay rise part of that promotion after this intro. Um, so you spoke to Joshua Becker about his uh, Joshua Becker. <laughs> um, so tell me about your um, discussion with Joshua. Oh, and it was a it was lovely speaking to Joshua. I've uh, I feel like I've been I've been following his blog for a long time. It was one of the first um, minimalism blogs that I discovered just after Zen Habits. Um, so he was a obviously a big influence. Massive, for you yeah, massive. Up. Yeah. Just you know to to hear somebody talk about the process of, of becoming a minimalist. Uh, he had a, you know, at the time when I first started reading, his kids were obviously a few years younger and, you know, he just lived a very normal suburban life. He just had completely let go of the, the weight of, you know, modern stuff. It was it was uh, a real revelation for me when I first read his blog and um, he was someone I looked up to a lot in the, those first few years. I mean, still do. And, uh, yeah, he was kind enough to kind of point quite a few people in my direction when my blog was in its infancy. And I remember that moment. I remember the moment that he um, tweeted about you and about your blog and it was one of – well, I think for me that's when I thought, well, you know, you're really going to make something of this and you're very, very excited. So I do I do understand the, the influence of – Joshua on the whole um, minimal movement, and um, you know it was—it's a very, very interesting um, discussion, particularly the question around um, how Joshua handles the fact that so many people look up to him and how he's so influential for so long. I thought that was a really interesting question and, and quite an interesting answer, I think. Yeah, he uh, he answered it in a way that I didn't necessarily expect, actually, because I know it's something that I think about quite a bit um, when I'm I'm writing about different ways to simplify. I I'm really mindful that what I don't what I do is to not add more pressure to people. You know, I don't want people to feel an additional pressure to, as I said in our interview with Joshua. Um, you know the pressure to keep up with a different kind of Joneses, and his anyway his his answer was really enlightening. I thought he's he's you know obviously spent a lot of time thinking about it. Obviously a long time uh, thinking about it, and obviously a long time um, thinking about how social uh, media has influenced him as well, and what he thinks about all that. But um, enough with the teasers. We should uh, get on with the show. Is there any other thing you'd like to mention before we dive in? Uh, just, you know, a bit of normal housekeeping. Um, Joshua, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows who he is, and if not, you will in about 30 seconds, but you can find his blog at becomingminimalist.com and you can reach all of his social media channels and things from there. But he, uh, he's very active on Facebook, um, has a huge number of people following him along there. I mean, maybe a quarter of a million, something like that. Wow. 
Um, and as always, you can get the show notes for today's episode over at slowyourhome.com. And today is episode seven. So it is uh, slowyourhome.com slash seven. If you've got any questions or comments or you know, suggestions or uh, recommendations for interviews, that sort of thing, head over to the to the blog and feel free to, to share them with us. And I hope you enjoyed this this interview because I really I really enjoyed chatting with Joshua. So enjoy. Joshua. Well, good morning to you. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fantastic. This is a pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, thank you so much, so much for for coming on the show. Um, when I've asked people who they want interviewed for the podcast, your name is almost always number one. So I'm I'm thrilled to have you. I know people will be uh, very excited to hear our conversation. I think uh, I think they just want to hear me screw up, probably. <laughs> Is that right? Is that yeah, that's actually that's actually <laughs> the reason. Yeah, <laughs> didn't want to say be like, They think it'll be like a train wreck conversation <laughs> that they all can gawk at. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> are you well? Yeah, we're doing really well. Um, kids are good. Uh, finishing up um, school here in the spring, and um, yeah, everyone's everyone's healthy and um, life is good. Can't complain. That's the way to be. That's awesome. Uh, yes, I guess coming into the spring, do you ha- do you have cold winters? I do not. We live in Phoenix, so okay. we're we're in the desert. Okay. Um, so we don't we don't have uh, cold winters. We just have really hot summers. Right. That's not dissimilar to us, actually. Here in just outside Sydney, our winters are sort of they're chilly in the mornings, but we don't we don't get snow or anything. Yeah. Okay. So um, I know most people who listen to the podcast. They know you. They they know a lot about the the minimalism, um, you know, group of writers. They probably know a bit about how you first came to discover minimalism. Um, but can you take us back to what life was like for you and your wife and your two young kids before that fateful Memorial Day weekend in two thousand and eight? What was life like before you discovered, um, you know, voluntary simplicity? You know, I usually say that um, that life was pretty good. I mean, I, I, I can't complain at all about about what what life was. Uh, um, there's probably a few. You know, money was always kind of an issue and, and always kind of a problem. Um, but I, it wasn't like I had the typical um, hate my job and mountains of debt and and those sorts of things. I, I mean, life was pretty. I was pretty comfortable. I um, enjoyed the the work that I was doing. I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was working at a a church in Vermont and um, found a lot of fulfillment and in, in meaning in, in what I was doing. Uh, I had enough to to pay the bills and and survive. Um, it was that the Memorial Day weekend. I, I think that where suddenly this you know light bulb came on that um, that even in the midst of this pretty typical middle-class lifestyle that, that things had begun to get out of hand. Maybe, um, life had been lived quite unintentionally, uh, things had accumulated, um, and had come into our life that, that didn't need to be there. And I, 
I didn't realize the the burden that that they had become um, until that morning where, you know, you know, I told a million times, just you know, spend hours cleaning while my while my son played alone. I think it's that that unintentional accumulation of stuff, isn't it? That 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 so often is the the surprise for people. Um, we we mindlessly kind of accumulate because that's what we think we need to do. And then it's, it's often a, there's often in, in most stories, most people I've spoken with, there is a moment of realization, you know, it's a, it's a slow um, accumulation and then a, 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 a really sudden realization. So the Memorial day weekend was your realization. Can you, for the people who haven't heard, heard you um, talk about that, can you tell us what happened that weekend? <sighs> Sure. We just woke up, my wife and I, to uh, do what most Americans do on the weekends, clean the house. <laughs> and I, uh, I volunteered to clean the garage. It was like our spring cleaning weekend. Um, so I was working on the garage. My, my five-year-old son, um, who I was hoping would help, uh, didn't last too long. And so he was in the backyard and just constantly asking me to come play. And I kept having to push him off. I can't, I can't. I need to, I need to finish this garage, right? This is what, I was, this is what we do. Uh, we, uh, we manage our stuff and my, uh, my neighbor was outside and, and she was the first one to ever introduce me to the idea of minimalism. And, you know, uh, after a short conversation, she, she said, that's why my daughter's a minimalist. She keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff. And I just remember looking, you know, this pile of stuff piled up in my driveway that I'd spent all morning cleaning and out of the corner of the eye, corner of my eye, I see my son alone in the backyard and, this realization that everything I owned, not only was it not bringing me happiness, it was actually distracting me from the very thing that did bring me happiness and purpose and fulfillment in life. And so that began our process of intentionally um, just living with the things that we need and and removing everything else. And was it um, an immediate instantaneous thing where you just both where you jumped in with both feet and said, right, you know, I'm getting rid of 50% of my belongings or was it more of a slow, steady, like, evolutionary process? Well, the, the initial light bulb moment was, was just a, a moment. Like it, it was very clear right then and there that, that something needed to change uh, or at least I could say that, that, that something could be better. You know, there's a, a better way to, to be living life. And so that, that moment happened right away. The, the actual process of getting rid of things, I don't think we had any idea how much we were eventually going to get rid of, you know, or, or what our life was going to look like. Um, that took, you know, I, I always say it, it probably took, you know, six to nine months of, of getting rid of things, um, going kind of wave by wave and, and room by room through the, through the house. Um, and then we, and then we moved to a smaller house three years later, actually more like four years later. And that then even forced us to, to downsize even more. So I would say the whole process probably took years for us to get there. But in our living area where we were, about six months of um, going through things. And obviously there are you know, more, some certain spurts that um, were a little more focused than others during that time frame. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, our story was sort of, similar in that probably took us a little longer but yeah it was there's moments where you have uh you know big big bursts of energy or a big burst of uh, motivation either for, because you're moving or you know, have a baby or something like that and then it's it's more um 
just a slow, steady kind of decumulation of the things that you've spent the last 10, 20 years accumulating. Um, were you and your wife on the same page about the amount that you wanted to pay back or were you more the driver or was she the driver of the change? I, I was certainly the, the driver of the change. Um, she was on board with it. Um, she, she'd been cleaning the inside of the house all morning. So she was <laughs> like, she, I think she could feel the weight uh, of our possessions, um, uh, that morning as well, which I'm very thankful for, um, that, that we weren't at, at odds, um, through the whole process. I, I would imagine that's very difficult for, for people. Um, so we were on the same page. Uh, I was certainly the one, um, pushing it. Um, I probably had the benefit of, of being the one who was who was writing about it and, and journaling and um, probably noticing more and, and learning more and more things and becoming more and more uh, motivated for it. Um, and then, and then I always say we, we reached a point, like if I, if I want to get rid of 80% of our stuff, she wanted to get rid of 55% of our mm -hmm. stuff. So, so the first several times through the house um, getting rid of things went, went very well. And then, we reached a point and I'm like, what else can we get rid of? And she's like, ah, don't you think we're at a good point right here? Um, so then, then became the, the stage of, you know, I, I handle my own stuff. We look for compromise on certain things. Um, so we were on the same page, but, uh, eventually it became, um, just like any couple would be, you know, you, you rarely see eye to eye a hundred percent on all things. So there's usually a, a little give and take that has to take place. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree completely. And when people ask me what to do when they have a partner who is perhaps not on board or not as into the idea of simplifying as them, that's basically what I offer as, as, you know, a way to start is to look after your own stuff first and deal with that and live your own life as much as possible in a in a simpler kind of way is that the sort of when people ask you uh what to do in those sorts of situations do you have any specific advice on when one partner is more into the idea than the other i think communication is is so important and like we know this um but still like communicate and very intentional communication about about the change that you want to make and why you want to make it. Um, so often, I, I mean, I see it in my own life. I saw it back then. I, I see it now that our, our conversations about clutter and our conversations about si simplicity are very um, like short and mean spirited and, and like little jabs here and there, right? We get frustrated that, that there's clothes all over the floor. And so we, you know, say something or, you know, we just get fed up with the way the kitchen looks and we make a comment, right? It's never, or it's rarely the, okay, let's go out for dinner. Uh, you know, let's find a quiet moment and let me have this conversation with you with what I'm learning and, and what the changes that I think we need to make in our home. And here's how I think we should go about them. Like that type of communication always works better than the, yeah, I mean, it just turns into nagging um, the other way. So, so there's that. I, I mean, always the always handle your own clutter, and and um, it's always easy to see everyone else's clutter than it is to see our own. And so, parents always worry about how much their stuff their kids have, and wives worry about their husbands, and husbands worry about their wives. Right? Like it's always easy to see everyone else's than than it is just to to kind of push further in our in our own. And um, so those are the the 
things that I, I tend to do. Sometimes you get a little, um, you can read in an email or in a conversation where there's um, a, like a little more motivation, like a little more negative motivation behind it. And there's something else going on in the relationship and the frustration is just coming out in this one area. And um, again, email one time where the guy was just fed up with his wife and how much she was shopping. And yeah, I'm, there's probably some truth to it, but I just wrote back and I said, you know, there's probably some things in your life that she has to put up with mm-hmm. as well. Right. And we tend to, we tend to forget that, 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 um, that there are probably changes that your spouse wants you to be making just like there's changes that you want them to be making. And so I think it's helpful to remember that throughout the process as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, it's so, (laughs) and I mean, it's partly, that's partly human nature, isn't it? To just see things from your own perspective without, unless you're intentionally trying to walk around in someone else's shoes. But I think that's such good advice because, uh, I, I'm, sort of similar to you, I often get emails or, or speak to people who have the kind of same question. And there's a level of it, which is just, you know, compromise and negotiation, like, like any relationship. And then there's another level where I feel like um, it's more symptomatic of perhaps a lack of communication. And I find helping people to focus on why they want to simplify helps as well. I mean, if you can, like you say, go sit down at dinner and talk, have a conversation about, uh, you know, the life that you want to live and why your stuff is stopping you from having that, that kind of makes it more of a, a positive, proactive thing rather than, like you say, nagging or just talking about it being the fault of one one partner. And I think the, it, it, it's the positive it's the positive conversations that always turn out better than, than the negatives. And so it's the, you know, focusing on, on how this could improve your life. And 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 thinking even from from their point of view, you know, do they like to hunt? They like to do outdoor stuff. You know, let's let's talk about how if we simplified the things that we were bringing in the home, how that would allow you to do more of that. Whatever drives them, um, focusing in on some of those things and and painting the picture as to how uh, minimalism really isn't isn't a sacrifice. It's it's just a way to to refocus our attention and resources on the things that that matter most to us. And so helping them see that. Absolutely. And, um, do you, so since you've, you've adopted minimalism, what sort of stuff are you able to do now that you couldn't do previously? I remember very early on, um, we had a, had a garage sale and, we didn't make much money, but we made some. Um, had was getting rid of some some larger items, some furniture that that just didn't need to be there. So I had a few um, a few large items go out the door, and um, I remember thinking, what what should we do with this money? I think it was even a, a blog post I wrote way back when when I was writing three sentence blog posts, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm like, we're you know all this maybe it was a, a survey that I ran just cause I couldn't think of what to post. And, um, I'm like, what should we do with, with the excess money that's, it's coming in. And, and the time that we have that we on our weekends, um, clean out the garage and decided that we were going to take the family on a, on a little trip. Um, our kids were, I don't know, probably four and seven or so around that time. And, um, we were going to the beach for a weekend, um, staying overnight somewhere on a, 
Friday night or Saturday night. And um, it was a, a very, like a very practical manifestation of what minimalism had meant to us that, that we didn't have to spend the time running the errands over the course of the weekend that we had raised, you know, a couple hundred dollars, which is enough to, to drive us to the beach um, in, in New England. And so that was a, a very practical example that I, I think over, over six or seven years, you know, it's changed my whole mindset on what money can be and what money can, can do. And I think it's really opened up my, my life to, to generosity um, in, in ways that, that I never thought imaginable. Um, always wanted to be generous, but could just never find the, the space to, to be and to have my life opened up to that now in, in new ways is, um, I think even a, even a greater reward than, than a weekend at the beach. Although that was amazing in the moment. I think that's a, uh, it's such a positive outcome, isn't it? I mean, initially the, the, the benefits are very personal and, you know, self-centered, uh, but to be able to then open your mind up and your life up to, to the, a, just a wider variety of, of issues and people and, um, having the time and the energy and the mental bandwidth to, to think about things outside your own circle of, of, you know, of being is a huge, a huge factor. I feel like I'm much more um, just aware of, uh, you know, the breadth and depth of, of, of experiences of people because you, you can be, you know, you don't have your head so far down that you can't see any, anything above, you, above yourself. Um, switching- yeah, that's uh, – Sorry. I was going to add, you know, I, I think that um, oftentimes the, the beginning – well – I don't know how to say it other than um, like at first it was the idea of, of going to the beach for a weekend that, that was very attractive to us. It was the idea of spending more time with my kids. Um, it was the idea of, you know, finally getting ahead financially. And for some people it's, you know, they, they want to travel. And so now we can travel or they, they really don't like the job and they want to cut down on it or find a different one. And like, those are the things that, that motivate us. Um, but I, I, I try to steer people like, like, like I always think I like, let's dream big dreams. You know, I'm, I mean, travel's nice and early retirement sounds very attractive to a lot of people and, you know, cutting down on their job, you know, especially when they don't like, like, um, like those are good things to, to do, but, um, like life can really make a difference in the world. And, uh, and, I always think laying on a beach sounds pretty fun for for a week, but I don't know if I want to spend ten years laying <laughs> laying on the beach. Like eventually, I, I feel like I'm going to start looking for um, fulfillment and, and opportunity in in other places and in other ways. And um, so, trying to trying to steer dreams outside of just what does this mean for me, um, and begin redirecting them towards what does this mean that that I can become for other people, and and what change can I really bring about in the world around me. And I think we we come from a place where we're so fortunate that we're able to to start doing that, you know, um, start thinking about uh, the way we can influence others and 
um, I know when I speak to people and I talk to a lot of people uh, about simple living and, and slowing down, um, and almost every single one of them lists you, you particularly as an influential figure in their journey. So, I mean, I can tell you that you are definitely making a huge impact even, uh, even just through your writing. But how does it feel to have so many people look up to you? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I remember um, sending out tweets when I had like 500 followers or, you know, writing a, a blog post when, when there were just a few people and, and getting nervous about what I was going to say <laughs> and then thinking, gosh, these people who have 25,000 followers on Twitter, like how much time and effort do they put into the, the phrasing of a tweet or the, the blog post that, that they're writing? And uh, what I've found is um, that you just kind of, you grow into it a little bit, you know, um, you, you know, the, the people start following and, and reading because of how you're doing it and, and because of what you're doing. And, and certainly there's, um, there's time to step back and, and refine and evaluate and think, okay, well, if this many people are going to read this blog post, maybe I should have someone else check it for spelling before, <laughs> uh, before I put it up there. And so, so I think there's a, a growing, um, that, that comes into it. Um, there's, I probably put a lot of pressure on myself, um, personally, um, to, okay, gosh, if, if I leave the garage door open too long and there's boxes and my kids' toys are, you know, uh, around in the, in the garage, what's someone going to think and what, what's going to happen? You know, so there's, there's probably a little of, a, of, a, of the pressure that, that comes along, um, as well, but, you know, it's uh, more than anything else. It's something that I that I'm doing, and um, I love to have love to have the the platform and and the opportunity to to do something good with it. And I I would probably add one other thing is that it's not nearly sat not nearly satisfying as some people would think it is. Um, the the people who are who are trying to grow a, a blog or trying to grow a platform or, or trying to get people to, to buy their books, you know that. That oh, once I reach a certain level, I'll I'll feel content. You know, I'll feel like I I have arrived. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever I don't know if we ever get there. Um, it, it, even even now where it will to be today, it's still constant. Oh gosh, this guy is selling this many more books, and this person has this many followers. You know, so there's always the, the comparison, and I don't think we ever overcome that. Um, with with metrics, you know, I, I think that that's um, hard issues that, that we have to deal with at, at some point. It's interesting, isn't it? That you you know, it's uh, not dissimilar to the when I get this thing, I'll be happy, and when I go on this holiday, I'll be happy. It's really it's a difficult habit to break, isn't it? You know, the um, the comparison kind of game that we play, and I think um, social media kind of plays into that as well i find do you do you find that yeah it's um it makes comparisons a lot uh, easier um uh, a lot more tangible Uh, at least the it allows us to measure the the wrong things much much easier and i think run into to these problems when we 
when we expect things to accomplish things in our lives that they were never meant to accomplish. And so, like I, like I think um, Ziegler says, um, money won't make you happy, but everybody wants to find out for themselves. <laughs> and so, just so true, we, we set up this in our mind of, well, if I if made this much money, then I would be happy. And so we work and we work and we work, and suddenly we're at the level of income, and we look back and we're like, you know what? I'm not all that happier. And so what do we do? Like we reset the goal and we say, oh, well, if I made this much money, then I would be happier. And we get there and we're not happy and, and we're not as secure as we thought we were going to be. And so we just keep raising the bar and we just keep adding this, this stress and anxiety thinking that they haven't quite arrived yet. Um, but meanwhile, like we're just asking money to to do things it was never meant to do. It was never meant to bring us happiness. I, I don't think it's even uh, meant to bring us as much security as, as we tend to think it will. Um, and, and we do the same thing with, you know, blog traffic or social media, you know, that, oh, once I reach this level, then we get there and we're like, I don't feel that much different now than, than I did before. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, you think, well, when I reach this, this level, this metric, whatever it is, so many visits to my blog in a day or so many followers on social media, it will feel different. <laughs> and, it, and it happens. Well, I feel like I did when there was two less. And, it, you know, there's absolutely no difference, no tangible yeah. difference. Yeah. But I've tied my self-worth up in this thing that, that has nothing to do with my self-worth. Um, and, I, and I shouldn't I'll, – I'll add this. I mean, I, I shouldn't downplay the whole thing. I mean, there there's certainly there are opportunities that I have today that that I didn't have six or seven years ago because of you know the the platform that's been built and and the influence that that um, um, that I've been able to to have. So I mean there there are certainly there's certainly opportunities that that arise from that. Um, but but as far as some of these you know contentment and and ha- like some of those heart issues, I, I won't be jealous anymore. Like. It doesn't have that effect like like we think it will sometimes. Yeah, and I think that's the key. Um, and I agree with you that things are you know, you're 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 able to have the ear of so many people because of you know the platform that you've built. But it's uh, a matter of not letting the platform itself become the point, but rather you know the way that you're helping people and uh, you know the the message that you're able to help spread. Um, Kind of on that, do you feel like writing about minimalism and offering people insight into this different kind of countercultural way of living um, can add to the pressure that people feel to keep up with the Joneses, like even if it's a different or a new type of Joneses? Uh, what do you mean specifically? In, like, um, in uh, the writing or in the minimalism? Um, when you, I mean, when when we we um, write about you know simple living or a different way to do life, and we kind of give people the the benefits and the positives of it, which obviously we we both uh, believe in wholeheartedly. Do you ever feel like uh, people take that on board as a um, you know as a proclamation of things that they need to do, and it just changes what they should be aiming their life for, but it, aiming their life towards. But it still becomes a pressure to, to you know to do a certain do life in a certain way. Do you feel like? Uh, some, I mean, I, I know personally sometimes when I write about things and I might get a comment or an email, people 
they 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 understand that maybe accumulating stuff is not what they should be aiming towards in life. Maybe they should be aiming towards a simpler life. But when they read about it, all it all it does is is change their you know their capital S shoulds to a different list of shoulds, and people feel pressured by that. Do you ever feel that? Yeah. Uh, interesting question. Um, I do think that there are, I do think that there are some universal shoulds just jump off that word that, that I think we should have in our lives. You know, I think that we, we should take care of our health. Uh, we, should be be good parents we should be faithful to our spouse you know we we should contribute to to society and so i think that that it's okay to have the idea of of a should and i i think redirecting someone's thinking from well i should be buying a nice car because i have this job and i have this reputation that i need to uphold and and redirecting it towards no, wait, what, what you should be doing is uh, taking care of your family. You know, what you should be doing is, is looking out for, for the needs of people around you. What you should be doing is, is being a good example for, for your kids. Uh, I think that there, that there are some shoulds that are good uh, to be redirecting um, people's mindsets to. The, the problem becomes um, sometimes the, the unhealthy um, inclinations that we have in our heart um, remain, and, and they just get, they just get redirected. And so, for me, I've been very competitive and um, always kind of struggle uh, with it. You know, constantly trying to keep it in check. And so, if at first I wanted to be the best at my job, you know, and, and wanted to have the work of the biggest church or whatever it had been, when minimalism came around, there was a, a sense of Okay, now I want to be the best minimalist out there. <laughs> like now, now I want to have the least amount of stuff from from anyone. And so, the, kind of the the inner desires, um, uh, the inner I don't know negative behaviors were or outlooks were just redirected at at something different. Um, but but then they became far more apparent to me because now it's. Oh, I'm seeing this over here as well, and so now we can see it in a couple different places, and it's played itself out in a couple different facets of life, and uh, I think we're able to identify those a little bit better. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you that um, that there's, there's shoulds that we should be aiming towards, and I often just <laughs> I often come across what you've just spoken about, which is the the competitive idea of being you know the most minimal minimalist or the you know the simplest simplicity advocate or the slowest (laughs) slow living you know advocate um and i yeah sometimes i i wonder at what point does it stop being beneficial um not to the individual because i think we would agree that you know what minimalism looks like to one person or simple living looks like to one person is different to another because you know everyone has has different needs and different desires in life but it's when it it stops being about the individual and starts being about the well I'm living this life in the best possible way and there's no other 
kind of option. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's really important that people understand that it's not just about how much stuff you do or don't own. It's about how life, how you you create a life that works for you and the people around you and the life that you, the things that you want to do with your life rather than how many things are hanging on your wall or how many items are in your wardrobe. Um, you know, and that's not to say that more is better. Obviously it's the opposite to me, but, uh, yeah. yeah no, I, I agree. And, and, and maybe it's the, you know, the specific shoulds that, that we're sending people to, right? Like you should only, own this many pair of shoes. Like I, I would never, I would never say that. I, I think that you, you should be very intentional about the of shoes that you own and you know, are, are you accumulating more, more than you need? Um, I, I tend to be, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm on one end of the spectrum of this. You know, I, I hear sometimes the, well, minimalism worked for me, um, but the, not necessarily has to work for you. And, I'm like, no, I, I think everyone needs it. Like I, I legitimately think that everybody would, would benefit from, from these ideas and, and from um, tailoring them to, to their life. And, and so I do tend to be pretty bold on, on that type of should, uh, but it would never be down to this specificity of, and you should eat the same food that I'm choosing to eat. You, you should, you know, own this many pairs of, pants or whatever it might be. Um, but it, but it should be, but you should be very intentional about the life that you're living. Like you should be directing resources at the things that are most important, your, your time and your money and your energy, like your, your big goals in life should be the big goals. And, and when smaller things begin to conflict with those, um, then, then we need to reevaluate, um, how much, um, importance we're putting on the things that, that don't matter as much. Could not have said it better myself. Um, we'll have a couple more questions and then we'll wrap up because I know we're getting to time. Um, this, I feel like the simple living movement is having a, a bit of a moment, particularly here in Australia. It's um, People are really starting to pay attention to it and it's twofold, I think. Partly it's minimalism as an aesthetic is having a moment, um, but also I, when the minimalists came and did their, their tour around Australia last year, there was a huge spike in interest in, you know, simple living and, and intentional living. You've been writing about it since sort of 2008, 2009. So, you know, the past six years, have you seen a big change in how people respond to the idea of minimalism? I would say over the course of the entire time, I, I would say that minimalism has, has been growing. Um, I even wrote a post years and years ago about, I don't know, the reasons that I saw that minimalism was growing. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's always been a, um, a conversation piece. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that I think people find, um, you included, myself included, other people included, is that when you're, when you're first introduced the idea and you become aware of it, you start to see it everywhere else. And you start to see that other people are talking about this. Um, and so I, I had a friend and I, I met him, knew him for maybe six months. And at one point he, he wrote an email. He's like, I can't believe it. Everybody's talking about minimalism. <laughs> and I said, no, no, no. 
everybody's not talking about minimalism. Now that you heard it, you can see it in places that, that you never saw it before. And you can see that there are more people talking about it than, than you ever realized. And so I, I would, I would, I would agree that um, I think the, the word um, has become much more uh, friendly, um, has become much more understood even over the past maybe two or three years. I, I remember like when I put out books years ago, my first book, I'm like, I'm not putting the word minimalism anywhere on the book because no one's going to read it. Um, but, but now I, I think you can, you know, now it's a, a word that I think people have heard a lot more and are, are more interested in it. Um, so I think there's probably two things going on. You know, certainly I think the, the world's become more, more open to it. Um, and then second of all, just, I, I think the more you're in it, the more you see that, that this is, you know, a culture that's been churning for quite some time. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think you're right. You know, it's, you start to, obviously you start to pay attention to something as you become more and more interested in it. Um, do you feel like people, do you still come across people who think, who sort of look at you strangely when they, they discover what you do or what you're, what you're about and they kind of are, um, surprised at the idea of living, you know, with less or surprised at the idea that, you know, you make a, a living from t- talking about living with less? That I, uh, my business plan is that I sell books telling people not to buy stuff. That's, that that's my business plan. Um, I only succeed if I fail. That's, uh, that's usually how I say it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think people who um, who first hear the term, they first hear the word, um, and and they don't have it explained to them, but just jump to assumptions. Yes. You know, I think those are the people that that don't understand it, that make you know kind of weird faces or um, make funny comments. But I, I don't think it takes too long into the explanation of um, of explaining what what you mean by it and and, and why it's why it's a, a different way to live and, and most ways I think a, a better way to live. I think it makes sense to them. Um, and I think you, you tend to hear people respond pretty positively. Oh yeah, you're right. I, I really need to go clean out some stuff or, or say, you know, I've always kind of been that. <laughs> um, so I, that's kind of my, my take on it, that it, at first blush, it's, it's so countercultural that um, misunderstood at first. Um, but it doesn't take too long into a conversation for um, the, the light bulb to turn on for them. The number of times that um, I've explained to people what I do and what I write about and, you know, and their initial kind of reaction is um, either like a blank stare, like I don't, I don't, <laughs> that doesn't compute, I don't understand. But then I, again, start to explain it, um, talking about just getting rid of the stuff that weighs heavily on you. And so many times the reaction is kind of this, dropping of the shoulders and people exhale and they look at me and they say, Oh, I need that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a matter of, like you say, the assumptions that people make when they hear about minimalism, they think, well, is that the, like the guy who owns a hundred things or, you know, you can live out of a backpack for the rest of your life. Like I guess that is minimalism, but it's not really kind of the, the, the stuff I talk about too much or, or you, you talk about very much just a normal family life just with less stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This has been 
such a great chat. Thank you so much for um, for joining us. Can um, you tell us where people can find out a little bit more about you before we go? The website is becomingminimalist.com. Uh, and uh, from there, I think you can find anything else. Um, Facebook and Twitter and books and um, email. You can you can find it all from there. But I um, it's usually a place to start and get a get a small taste of um, what I'm doing and what I'm writing about and um, what I'm working on. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joshua. It's uh, it's been it's been great. I'm looking forward to chatting to you again sometime soon. Hopefully in uh, Minneapolis in October. Well, let's do it. The train wreck was not. Nearly as painful as I thought it was going to be. So <laughs> this was uh, this was wonderful. Good for you for um, the podcast. Sounds like it's going uh, amazingly well, and uh, can be more excited for you. Let me uh, let me know if you need me again. Oh, I will. I'll shout out. Thanks, Joshua. been another episode of the slow home podcast if you enjoyed it be sure to subscribe via itunes leave us a rating or a review thanks for listening